everyone welcome to the daily grind my name is kelly johnson your fun and friendly host we're in episode 34 of season five the very best one yet what is up the daily grinders my name is kelly your host as always we have a new segment a new feature that we're doing on social and we want you to be a part of it the daily grind that's the name of our podcast what does the daily grind mean to you our simple phrase following a certain routine every morning to start your day or on a larger scale that shapes the outlook on your life. Submit yours on our direct link form, direct.me slash dailygrindpod. Or visit us on social at dailygrindpod and get featured. keep the introduction short because we have a special guest on today's podcast like to introduce you to carlo cisco carlo is the ceo and founder of select a new generation concierge and community platform that offers exclusive access to events pricing and perks at over 1.3 million locations carlo has partnered with uh, many top brands is now working with mastercard to launch the select world elite mastercard this spring overall carlo is a successful entrepreneur investor, business expert with over 10 years of experience in startups, leadership growth, marketing, fundraising, and technology and innovation. So welcome to show, Carlo. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thanks for coming on the Daily Grind. We are excited to have you on the show, Carlo, and our listeners are beyond excited to learn more about your story, what you do, share your wealth of knowledge on today's episode here. So yes, to, to, to hand the mic off to you, can you briefly introduce yourself and what you do on your Daily Grind? Yeah, sure. Um, so my name is Carlos Cisco, founder and CEO of Select, uh, like, like she mentioned. Um, my daily grind, you know, I basically view it as going to war every day, pretty much. Um, but but going to war for our customers, our, our business partners, our stakeholders, uh, of course. Um, and it's really just a war of value creation, uh, positive impact, um, that kind of thing. You know, all of the benefits that, that she mentioned, that many of them are exclusive to us. Um, it's, you know, quite a lot of relationships that power the 1.3 million locations. And of course, there's all the tech and, and other components that, that go into it. So my focus is just on making it better for our customers every day. Wonderful. Yeah, really well said, Carlo. Uh, and yes, like we mentioned in the intro here, uh, excited to learn more about your story and understand what you do A to Z uh, on your daily grind, literally. So probably to start us off on our conversation today, could you share us the story on how you came up with uh, Select and what inspired you to create this, you know, concierge community platform with exclusive access to events, perks, and everything? Yeah, sure. And it was really a combination of experiences. Um, my first company, which I started when I was 18, I had an event planning and promotion business when I was in school at University of Miami. So that was sort of my first um, time connecting customers with great venues, great experiences. 
And it really just sort of fell into that. Basically, people realized that, you know, I, I cared where I went and, you know, people I didn't know started following me around. So someone's like, hey, you should promote. And, you know, that's kind of how it went from there. Um, but I was also a finance major. Um, so that ties in with some of the financial elements that we're getting into um, now. But, but really, probably the biggest uh, inspiration of all was when I was working with um, Groupon. And this is back in 2010, 2011. Um, Groupon was in the process of becoming the fastest growing company in history by revenue. Um, that was actually like such a crazy time period that despite how much venture capital has grown, I think that's actually still the case. I don't think anyone has outpaced them yet. Um, so, so it was a wild experience and, you know, I got to help build that in Japan, which, which was, you know, extra incredible. But, uh, the big takeaway there was just that there was a huge demand for a new way for merchants and customers to connect. And that was one of the first ways that businesses could, you know, not just like throw out ads and hope for the best, they could see people come through their door. Um, but you know, of course, as, as people now know, I think like the model has, certain flaws um, and I also felt like it didn't really serve premier customers or premier uh, brands and venues very well so I wanted to create something that um, was a bit more curated uh, on all sides um, that was really more of like a private ecosystem and uh, you know in, in our case you know people have to apply they have to pay an annual fee but then the value they get back in in exchange is uncapped. Um, you know, all of our benefits are unlimited. You can go to all the participating locations as much as you want. Um, there's strong quality control. We have over a dozen Michelin starred restaurants on the program. We have BMW, we have Four Seasons, we have, you know, like pretty much anything you can think of um, is, is on select, um, you know, really focused on best in category places, basically. So I mentioned Michelin star, we also want that neighborhood spot. Um, and we just want to elevate people's experiences. We felt like there was a good way to like effectively improve people's lives by improving the way businesses and customers connect. Yeah, really well said, Carl. Speaking of uh, like the partners you, you work with, uh, with Select, tell us more about like the elite restaurants, like the hotels, n nightlife venues. Like how do you, how do you, uh, you know, curate the, who you work with? Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll typically uh, research, um, and then our partnerships team will reach out. Um, you know, as we've grown, we certainly see more and more inbound interest in, in working with us as well. Um, you know, we probably probably about fifty fifty on like what we um, bring onto the program ultimately from inbound interest versus not. Um, like I said, best in category. We want people to know that every experience on Select is 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 a good one, or or at least it, it should be. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's mostly us doing research, us doing, um, outreach, um, you know, negotiating terms, bring them on. A lot of them don't do other offers. So, so it's, you know, totally unique to us, but in some cases they might. And in that case, we just need to make sure it's the best, uh, available anywhere. Basically. Yeah, definitely. And then even like transition question here on, on the, so you have the partners, the benefits that you offer. So uh from the the multiple touch points here from like complimentary cocktails to you know the hottest dining nightclub venues uh how how does it go about in the perks that are being offered is that you know seeing what consumer demand and interest is how are those created yeah um and, and it's it's honestly similar we're, we're negotiating them we have certain things we we will or won't do for example absolutely everything on select has to be ongoing and it has to be uncapped. So they can't restrict when people have access. They can't restrict the number of times they have access, that sort of thing. We want it to be, a, you know, we, we're trying to form 
like lasting relationships between premier customers and premier businesses. So like those sorts of restrictions, uh, we don't think are the way to do that. And of course, those sorts of restrictions are the way that people typically set up those relationships. So, so, so that always, um, you know, requires some negotiation on, on our part. Um, but, but that's how we typically do it. And then we just have, you know, kind of benchmarks of what's reasonable across you know, different industries. For example, we don't uh, expect the same discount on a BMW that we might on a hotel room. Um, you know, they're, they're pretty different things, especially in this like post uh, COVID uh, car buying era. Um, but, um, you know, the, the key thing is just that it's of significant value to the member. Like, is it, you know, ultimately going to like enhance their experience, improve their lifestyle? And that's where, you know, like some of the I guess benefits of the past, if you will, um, you know, like a five X here, five X there, kind of who cares, uh, you know, at the end of the day, you have to really be spending a lot for that to be meaningful. But when you talk about, you know, 20% ish is, is around our average benefit, that's a lot different. Um, and that can really add up it just even in a normal spend. And of course our members tend to spend a bit more than normal. Yeah, really well said, Carlo. Um, yeah, members being part of the overall community that you offer. Uh, speaking of community perks and what we've half the press here, launching a World Elite MasterCard with MasterCard is a significant accomplishment. Um, tell us about that process and developing that partnership and what it now means for your, your growth and impact at Select. Yeah, yeah, that's that's actually a great way of framing the question, uh, if you will, because for me, it was really about impact, um, you know, like uh, the membership model works, the company's doing great, um, but we, you know, from the very beginnings of the company, we always wanted to do a credit card um, that's sort of one of the largest applications of a paid uh, membership model um, and um, you know like we just feel like most of them suck to be very direct uh, you know a lot of the mm -hmm. benefits haven't changed in decades it's some points mm -hmm. maybe some cash back perhaps a concierge do like one-off things here and there like they're trying to be creative it's mm -hmm. just hard for them I guess you know it's kind of these like old legacy institutions that are stuck in the mud um, mm -hmm. so that said uh, you know it is quite a process to set up a credit card it was not easy um, you know we actually had our first couple uh, opportunities for it um, together uh, right at the end of 2019 beginning of 2020 of course if people remember and you think about the categories we're talking here that was the pandemic so we made the decision to put that on pause so we could focus on our members focus on our partners worked out great for the business our renewal rate went up that year um, so we basically had to come back to that start from scratch in 2021 um, you know, 2021 was a big growth year for us. Uh, we, we did pretty well. And at the end of the year is when we solidified the first key piece of, of, of that deal, which was getting the, the banking relationship in, in place. Um, so that's with um, Deserve and, and Celtic Bank uh, in our case. And then, you know, interestingly, Visa and MasterCard, you know, we've been around for several years. They reached out the first year of our existence. Those are smart companies. There's a reason that they're I think they're both top three global financial institutions by market cap. So it's those two and JP Morgan Chase. Um, they're highly, highly profitable. They have a great business model and they're just always thinking about, um, you know, what it takes to win. So, so actually these are MasterCard are the ones that made most of our introductions um, to various uh, banks. Um, you know, the one we ultimately went with did come from MasterCard, but, but the thinking there was a little bit, different um you know like we noticed that they are kind of underweight on premier cards whereas like most premier cards are going to be on 
of course, Amex and then also Visa. So like if you think about Chase Sapphire and Sapphire Reserve and like Cap One Venture X and, you know, a lot of these other city prestige, I think is probably Visa also like it's mostly Visa. So so we knew that, um, you know, MasterCard basically just has luxury card, um, which is cool. Our COO set that company up, but, um, <laughs> you know, uh, it's uh, th that means that like most of our prospective card holder cardholder pool would get more unique rewards from MasterCard. So we kind of targeted them, honestly, as the partner for the card. And then, you know, they ended up taking it a step further with, with a good amount of negotiation to, you know, put the card in the top consumer credit tier that gives us the highest possible interchange that lets us do the best possible um, cash back and, and things of that nature. But it's the first time that a uh, non um, top 10 issuer doing a new card is in that tier. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so other companies have moved into that tier, luxury card moved into that tier after they became successful, but we're there day one, which is cool. Um, and they've just been a really, really great partner to work with. But, um, you know, long story short, it is very involved. Uh, you know, like you see, a lot of other areas of financial services have quite a lot more um, startups and applications, um, even investing, you know, certainly debit, checking, those sorts of things. They're much easier. When, when you talk about credit lines, there's just like a much more uh, intense process and, and sophisticated process, um, plus a lot more risk that someone has to own. So it, it was no small undertaking to get that set up. Yeah, quite like we mentioned, quite the accomplishment. Uh, excited to see continued success uh, with Select. Um, we're cheering you virtually uh, from the Daily Grind podcast team, as always. Uh, speaking on the marketing side, I know essential for any business success as a whole. Can you share some of the effective marketing strategies you've employed throughout your career, especially in this context of you know Select's user base community? Oh, for sure. Yeah. And I think the, the key thing to think about marketing, um, you know, it's really about creativity and, and creativity wins. And it's also about creating excitement at the end of the day. Um, so one of our key strategies and, and something we've seen other companies do, some companies do much better than us, frankly, um, is, uh, you know, is to basically uh, in effect, advertise other people talking about us. So when you're out there talking about yourself all the time, that's gonna feel like an ad. Um, so a lot of what we'll do is we'll actually promote articles about us. So you'll see articles about us running on select accounts. You'll actually see them sometimes on my accounts. That just means we're getting a better cost <laughs> per click and, and acquisition price on, on, on my account, which mm -hmm. happens sometimes. Um, so. Um, you know, that's a big piece of our strategy. We'll advertise media about us. It's a much more organic feeling um, way to learn about something than just getting smacked with an ad. Um, you know, that said, ads can certainly work and, and overall paid is, is certainly the biggest channel for, um, you know, acquiring members. Although we have all sorts of partnerships. We have, you know, like employee perk partnerships with McKinsey and Google, and we, you know, like have partnerships with newsletters and various media companies. And we've just recently started doing a lot more with like brand ambassadors and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But, you know, overall I would say paid is still like 75% plus and, and it's about, uh, about a half split. So about half of it is that content strategy I mentioned and about half of it is traditional paid, although now even the traditional page is starting to switch more to UGC. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something you're seeing, especially as you know, there's more and more Gen Z customers mm -hmm. out there. And, and honestly, even for myself, like I'm more likely to buy something mm -hmm. with like a UGC format ad when I just see like the kind of like typical stock professionally shot as tune it out. Um, and I think that'll be increasingly true for customers. 
sure, yeah, bringing that realness, that originality, and also uh, building that connection, that community, uh, yeah. like you're doing here at Select. Uh, just navigating through business, uh, you know, can be challenges come across our way, across different industries as a whole. Um, how do you approach, you know, like leadership decision-making in order to, to lead, you know, success and that adaptable approach at Select here? Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a great question, and we've definitely had to adapt uh, several <laughs> times too. But but I think the key thing is um, you know keeping everyone focused on uh, a mission and and the vision of your company. And in our case, it's really to improve our members' lives. So like even when we have summer interns or whatever, that's like their biggest takeaway that like everyone's focused on that. And when you have your whole team focused on a singular goal, it just really helps everyone work towards that goal, and it it tends to make people a lot more excited for work it makes them more committed um you know like there's not too many people uh, at select and you know perhaps there's pros and cons to this but if you ping someone on saturday you're you're gonna hear back before monday um you know um and that's true across our our entire team so um so i would say that's one of the one of the biggest things and then in terms of adapting like you just always need to be able to like like you know the way in which you achieve your mission could could always change. You know, certainly in 2021, we wanted to start achieve or sorry, 2020, we wanted to start achieving it as a credit card, right? But it just wasn't the right time for that for for a large number of reasons. So we were willing to, you know, postpone something we've been working on for for over a year. Um, you know, to to make sure that you know we delivered on the kind of preface like key mission of of just making people's lives better right um so um so yeah i i think that's really the key thing just unifying everyone exciting everyone um and then you know adapting to market um conditions certainly the big one to adapt to now is probably ai but um Mm -hmm. you know the story for another day (laughs) oh yeah yeah we could probably talk for hours literally on 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 that conversation uh but you hit the nail on the head in regards to being able to stay focused having that mission and then having uh that buy-in that that trusts those relationships both internally and externally uh with your audience which which is great to see uh speak or great to hear speaking of you know the startup grind you know building extend expanding various sizes require require you know understanding of the fundraising the finance like we talked about what advice can you offer to entrepreneurs our daily grinders out there that may be seeking funding for their own startup yeah, n- n- number one um, is to know when to fundraise and to know how to fundraise. Um, so you got to do it when you have momentum. Um, if you try to fundraise without momentum, it's not going to work, especially in this market, unless you've already had some huge exit, right? Like if you've had some huge exit and you're just like a home run hitter, then you can raise money in any market environment at any time. But that is not the vast majority of people. Um, so number one is is momentum um you know a lot of people think they can create a pitch deck and go get money you cannot um it's cheaper to start a business now than it was in the early 2000s investors will expect to see something built they'll expect to see users they might expect to see revenue if it's a business that can generate revenue right away um and then they're going to want to see whatever it is those things growing at a pretty fast rate, but like typically, you know, 10% plus month over month, that of course can vary depending on how big the business is. But, um, you know, the whole thing with fundraising, like you have to realize like these professional investors, whether they're a venture investor or an angel investor or whatever, they're getting approached constantly. Um, so you need to stand out um from the others um you know one of the other things is that it does typically help to have a warm intro i personally don't like that part of the process i think it like skews 
towards, I guess, you know, essentially like blocking people out of it, uh, which I don't like. And I also think that, uh, you know, frankly, like, you know, with, as someone who now has a network, like it's just still annoying, you know, like you, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. just extra, extra legwork, but, but at least for today, um, you know, it is true. Typically they'll want you to get a warm introduction. So that will generally help um as well um and then i would say um you know another tip and i think this is more inspired by recent events right is like a lot of companies um you know we've seen a lot of companies that raise a lot of money close down um that always happens but but probably at a faster rate now um you know the the market environment has changed um so you know even if you do go out and raise a lot of money um just be careful you know like like growth is of course important you're going to want to grow if you're raising institutional capital like at a minimum 50 percent plus year over year obviously that's very different from how a typical business might grow but that's what they're going to expect bare 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 bones minimum um but um yeah that's the other thing i would say now and then also just like think about the bottom line the business model like a lot of these startups that you've seen go public that had raised hundreds of millions of dollars and now they're trading at like, I don't know, 40 million, you know, 80 million, whatever, like, like significantly less than the money they raised. It's not typically that they don't have users, that they don't have customers, that they don't have revenue. It's typically that they don't have profit. Um, they don't have a good business model. So people are worried about their continued existence. I mean, you know, Boxed is an example of this, a digital Costco seems compelling, but poof, you know, it's out of business now. Um, so if the unit economics don't work, the business doesn't either. So, so that's something to think about. Yeah, really well said that momentum. And then I'd say like, end all, end all doing your research on various factors of your business and who you're pitching to. Uh, really well said, Carlo. Uh, again, we're, we're utilizing your wealth of knowledge here on, on today's show. Uh, let's let's talk on some innovation and technology. Again, those play uh, integral parts in, in today's business environment. Uh, how do you leverage technology to enhance the user experience and maintain that competitive advantage or competitive edge? The industry that you're in is very, very... Um, lop- yeah. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, you've always got to invest in, in tech. And, and to be honest, like we've done this well at periods, we've done this not so well at periods. Um, you know, we've been doing it really well the past couple of years, and it's significantly improved the business. It's enabled us to grow a lot faster. Um, so, you know, like you just have to prioritize that depending, of course, on the type of business you are. But if it's tech or tech enabled, like you just need to make sure that you have the right team in place there. Um, and you also want to make sure that you're always like bringing it back to that customer experience, whether that's, you know, an individual consumer customer or a business customer, it, it honestly doesn't matter. You just want to have that experience be good. And, and one example of this is that we actually built like a proprietary AI like five years ago. Um, and, you know, like it's not as sophisticated as what people are seeing today, right? Like it's really, but, but we built it because we essentially wanted to help our concierge team scale in terms of volume of requests, but also improve in terms of the quality of response at the same time. So, so we built uh, essentially an internal AI that members do not interact with or concierges interact with um, that effectively populates a bunch of different things for them every time a select request comes in. So, you know, they know what other places to recommend or what point of contact to reach out to if it's full and we need a table, whatever the case 
um, might be. So, so you want to, you know, just kind of focus on that customer experience. And that's just an example of us being a little ahead of the game because we have that uh, customer focus. Um, and, you know, technology does build moats. Um, you know, there's some people that think that will be less true within the AI world. Um, we'll find out, but, but generally speaking, I think it's an important area to invest because, you know, like it does help you scale for sure. Do you anticipate um, future trends looking ahead or just being in the space as a whole in terms of AI or like ChatGBT, um, things of that nature? Yeah, I think they're pretty revolutionary. Um, you know, I don't, uh, you know, I think I can say like almost sweepingly, no one expected them to be as good as they are. Um, mm -hmm. They're extremely good. Um, you know, I don't think that that means, hey, go out and found an AI company. Um, you know, I, I, think, I think there's too many of those as, as is uh, already. And I think the winners are largely determined, you know, for people don't, who don't realize how those answers are populated. Those are massive teams of people. Um, and then there's engineers who train the models, but mm -hmm. like, that's where the information comes from. So you're talking about tens of thousands of people. It's just not realistic to start a company from scratch now that's going to compete with Google, with <laughs> ChatGPT that just raised $10 billion, right? Like, it's just not realistic. However, like you definitely want to be leveraging those tools for your business. That's a way to get ahead you know we were actually funny enough just redoing our investor deck and it was much faster in terms of the market research side of it because of bard and, and bard is google's ai for those who who aren't familiar um you know i do think chat gpt is probably still overall the better one but bard has easy access to real-time data without plugins so you can use Bard for research really, really effectively. Um, I even told our sales team some tricks for for using it for research for 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 outreach. Um, and then you know, ChatGPT now has all these different plugins and extensions for analysis. That's really powerful. It, it's just you know, like you've got to um, lean into these trends to not get killed by them. Um, and that's true even if you're in an area that feels like it might not be affected, it, it probably will be, um, unless it's some sort of in-person uh, operation. And anything that's digital is going to be affected by these. So you definitely want to embrace, utilize, um, you know, I don't necessarily recommend competing, um, but, but perhaps building on top of can make sense. Um, you know, it just depends on the business. Yeah, really well said. And we mentioned too, adaptability, uh, being able to capitalize on these, this innovation tech uh, ahead. With that future um, mindset, that future outlook, looking ahead, uh, Carlo, what exciting developments or plans does Select have for the next you know, few years, that, that growth mindset? How do you see your company evolving in response to you know, this changing environment that we have going on? Yeah, yeah, that's a that, that's a great question, and um, you know, certainly we're going to continue to do all the things that we're doing really well now, um, and and sort of expand and, and make those exponential, more and more partnerships, more and more value prop events, etc. Um, you know, certainly the credit card is a big expansion for us. So we just actually had our first uh, non-employee cardholders get set up this week. So um, so that was kind of cool, um, but. Um, we are seeing a lot of like very interesting um, market trends. I think perhaps one of the biggest ones that's relevant for us is just that a lot of the spend and assets in financial services are, are going to Gen Z and millennials over the next couple of decades. Um, 
you know, and this was a funny thing to ask Bart about to be, to be honest. So like, um, you know, like I think like the credit card spend, uh, millennials, Gen Z went from like 20% uh, in 2019, they're expected to be 40% in 2025. That's a double, <laughs> you know, piece in, in a, in a what, whatever, a six year uh, time period. Um, you know, the big thing occurring too, is you've got, uh, you know, what's expected to be a $70 trillion uh, wealth transfer um, from, um, you know, mostly boomers, bit silent gen, um, to mostly millennials, Gen Z. Uh, and what those customers want is just fundamentally different. Um, you know, they care more about authenticity than history. They care, um, you know, more about value than, um, you know, sort of like the anecdotal, like nonsense that, that people promote. Um, from an investing standpoint, you know, I think it's a little bit of like the Robin Hood revolution. Like they want more control over their money. They want easier access to their money. They don't want to call some financial advisor to make a trade. That is a dated process that mm -hmm. should not exist. Um, and they also want access to some things that the other generations did, didn't. And I don't know the exact stats but i think you know roughly versus the generations that preceded they have about double the interest in venture for example and and venture while riskier it is the highest performing on average asset class of the major asset classes so it makes sense that that they they would want it i think there's also a component there of just wanting to participate in things that are exciting that they believe in um, you know, that ties back into the retail investing also, I think. So, so you know, we're, we're definitely thinking a lot about um, what Gen Z and millennials are going to want to do and, and how to make solutions that are better than them, uh, better for them, sorry. Um, so, uh, you know, private market investments are definitely top of mind for us. We'll be doing something in that space for sure. Um, we may be doing something more broadly uh, around just general financial management. Um, you know, the last thing I'll say is I think just like the brands of today aren't necessarily the brands of tomorrow, especially when you have the customers of tomorrow <laughs> taking over um, from the customers that preceded them. Yeah, yeah, the future outlook uh, gave us a couple of teasers. We're, we'll be uh, following you virtually <laughs> here on the podcast, our, our listeners tuning today's episode. Uh, yeah, really well said, Carlo, on, on what's to come and um, like how these um, Gen Z millennials, uh, this group is uh, craving that authenticity. Uh, in, in closing here, we, we talked about your daily schedule. You've, you have quite the grind going on, Carlo, at Select, leading the charge. Uh, what's on your schedule, daily grind, on the radar later this year, or even looking ahead into the new year? Yeah, um, so, um, you know, I, I, I guess each day is a little bit unique. You know, probably every day I'm hitting marketing, I'm leading our teams, I'm, you know, to some extent doing something that touches fundraising. That's the other thing with fundraising, it just takes up a lot of time, uh, <laughs> you yeah. know, so, so, so just about there's some periods where you don't have to touch it. But as an entrepreneur, you need to and, and we've even had periods of profitability. But if you want to grow, you, you typically need outside capital. Um, but um, no, I just hit it as hard as I can every day. I'll usually have some objectives for the week. I try to cross off some things each day. Um, you know, I'm not the most organized person, so I could probably do a bit of a better job uh, in terms of organization. Um, but, uh, you know, I always start with like 
light exercise and, and, and then I just kind of tear into it. Um, you know, I'm down in Florida now, so I walk outside just about every day that that's like my prepare for war walk is what I call it. <laughs> um, so, so that, that helps me get focused. Um, but you know, for, for me, it never stops. And that's maybe something to re- realize for prospective entrepreneurs also, like, you know, I have, you know, like we're, we're not at quite at this stage. Maybe I guess we're more successful than most companies, but like, the companies that are in like the nine figures plus in terms of valuation and, and really kind of cranking on revenue, uh, where, where are they on Saturday? Typically in the office, you know, um, even if they've taken some money off the table, they're in the office. Um, that's just what's required. You just need to be really passionate about what you're doing. Um, and look, there's plenty of businesses that can be built without sort of that level of um, work and that level of stress. But if you want to have like a high growth tech company, I haven't seen those succeed any other way. Um, so so that's something to note. And, and I don't see that ever changing for me, by the way, you know, like the stresses can be different at different periods, but like there's always there's always something. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. Every day is a grind and the grind doesn't stop. Uh, yeah. Really, really well said, Carlo. Again, excited for you um what's ahead for uh as we close out this year and um future years that that future growth mindset we talked about Carlo's story is very inspiring uh again sharing wealth knowledge in the entrepreneurship space the startup space with uh giving us you know the bts on select here Uh, speaking of motivation do you have a word of the day to motivate our listeners out there or even a quote saying mantra Word maybe persistence. Um, okay. You know, persistence is really important in entrepreneurship, of course. Um, one quote I like, and I don't actually remember who said it, but it was something about entrepreneurs break down walls. Um, and I think that is something that separates, tends to separate like great entrepreneurs from standard entrepreneurs. Um, you know, it's like, uh, you know, if you encounter a wall, um, you know, like it's your job to smash through is, is the way I kind of view it. Like, you know, when we got our tier approval for the credit card that had never been given to a top 10 issuer. Some people would just like not pursue that. In fact, most people didn't pursue that, right? But I wanted it because I wanted to have the best value possible for our customers. And I wanted to be on a level playing field with all of these legacy incumbent, you know, multi-billion dollar companies. Um, I wanted to, you know, level the field a bit. Um, so, so I think those are the two uh, key things. And the persistence element is really needed when, <laughs> when you're doing a startup. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I think persistence, I think that word and that quote fits perfectly with your story, what encompasses what you're looking to do here out in the world. Inspire us on today's episode, but also, uh, you know, lead the charge at Select in uh, helping us, you know, connect, engage, and uh, fuel our daily grind. Uh, last but not least, uh, Carlo, if listeners have questions, comments, want to get in touch with you, uh, want to learn more about Select uh, after the show, how can they do so? Yeah, um, so uh, our website is uh, meetselect.com, so M-E-E-T, uh, select.com. Um, we also just put up a new site for the credit card, which is selectcard.co. Um, so it ties into the same system, same benefits, um, but um, you know, it, it's for marketing purposes, <laughs> better to keep them separate. And then I, I keep it easy um, for me on social platforms. I'm just always my name um, on everything. Wonderful, yeah. We'll, we'll put where to find Carlo and Select in today's show notes, as always. Thanks again for tuning today's episode. A big thank you to Carlo for being on the podcast. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. Thanks for tuning in to The Daily Grind this week. You can subscribe wherever you get your podcast. If you want to follow us on Twitter or Instagram, we are at Daily Grind Pod. 
please also remember to visit our website, www.kjfwi.org, and shop our merch. Until next time, my name is Kelly Johnson. Have a great day. This episode was produced by the Kelly Johnson Foundation with music composed by Connor Christian. 